All right, so for those of you who are new to Fusion, something that we do that's particularly unique about us is we have a team of teachers that kind of rotate through. So sometimes you'll see me up here, sometimes you'll see some of our other friends up here. Uh, and today, one of those friends would be Pastor Steve, and he's going to come and kick off our, our new series, which you're going to hear about in just a minute. But for now, we're going to invite the kids on forward for a short kid's message before we dismiss for Children's Church. So any kiddos, come on up. Come join Pastor Steve, and I think he's got all a right. small little message for you all. I'm a little bit contagious, so you stay down there, I stay up here, and we'll be okay, right? Sound good? I'm not that contagious. <gasps> no. All right. How's school going? Good. Fine. Here's what I need. Come on up. All right. So here's what I want you to do, if you would. Line up and order from oldest... The youngest, go. Oldest over here. Youngest over here. Why are you looking at me like that? You're like, I got no idea. Ask each other what your ages are. Go. Oldest, youngest. And we're just getting close. We don't have to actually pass a test on this. So if you're the littlest, probably stand over here. Come on over here. Come on. Right over here. When's your birthday? Yep, you're over here. All right. What a great line. Your teachers are very lucky people. All right. <laughs> Oldest, youngest. You should not be, this is not a 3D line here, okay? Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's close enough. Ready? Look around. All right. Do you think like you're kind of in the same spot you should be? Any 14-year-olds where they're not supposed to? All right. All right. Now, listen to me about this part. Do you think God loves the people at this end of the line more than the people at this end of the line? Now, why not? So your age doesn't matter and how much God loves you? Well, that's good news, right? All right, now here's a trickier one, and some of you in the middle that are really smart are going to know how to do this, okay? You ready? Line up. The best kids over here, and the worst and naughtiest kids over here. So if you're a good kid, line up over here. <laughs> okay, now it's getting a little interesting up on the, on the right. There we go, all right. We have some honest kids and some, all right, no. Same question, do you think God loves the kids over here more than the kids over here? Well, that's good news, isn't it? So we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks, like Pastor Taryn said, a story about a couple brothers and their dad. And they were all being reckless. They were wasting the gifts that they'd been given. They were holding back love from each other. And God and Jesus was trying to tell them a story through all this. But what I want you to remember as you go to Children's Church and as you come back the next couple of weeks, it doesn't matter how old you are or what just happened, you are all equally loved by God and deserving of that love, all right? But here's the catch, and we're going to talk about this as big kids later too. Look at the people around here. Sometimes it's hard to remember that they're just as deserving as God's love, right? Especially when your brother or sister maybe breaks your favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, truth, right? 
or when somebody you live next to doesn't clean up after their dog as much as they maybe should. I don't even have neighbors with dogs. I don't know why that came to mind, but you know what I mean, right? When there's somebody in your class who just keeps talking, or maybe there's kids in your class who don't talk enough, so it looks like you're the one who gets stuck talking all the time. That's how I was, right? If everybody talked all the time, I wouldn't get in trouble, right? So we're trying to remember that God loves us, and God loves each of us, and how's, how that's good news, okay? So let's pray. Would you fold your hands and repeat after me? Gracious God, thank you for bringing us here today. Keep us strong. Keep us courageous to share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks for coming up, everybody. Taryn, any more instructions? Time for Children's Church. There's people with lots of caffeine waiting in the back, ready for your good and badness. I thought really long and hard about making you all stand up and come up front and get in the line for that last part. And I'm just picturing Sid saying, just like Jace was doing, maybe, maybe not. Well, my name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning as we kick off this three-week series about a scripture that I thought I knew very well. And turns out I didn't. So we'll get more into that later. But the main word, the main theme throughout the next three weeks is prodigal. Prodigal. Now, when was the last time you used the word prodigal? Go ahead. You drove up to McDonald's. You'll say, I'll have a number two. Medium with a prodigal. Anyone? Nobody? Good, because that's not what it means. All right, so it's, it's a word we don't use a lot, but it's a feeling. It's an impulse. It's a way of looking at ourselves and the people around us that we use every day. And so that's what we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks. We're going to start today with a little dig into... Uh, a couple of things that we talk about a little more regularly than prodigalness. Uh, so we're going to talk about birth order and Bible stuff. So just like we talked about with the kids, right, from oldest to youngest. I'm a bit of a social scientist, so here's the slide and here's the claim and here's the data behind it, all right? The claim is, we've heard this before and some of us adhere to it, right? Your birth order and your family structure, your family system, and the date you were born on Determine your personality. So raise your hand if you've heard that before. Where you fall within, you know, only child, first child, second child, third child, gift from God or accidental child, you know, 30 years later, whatever the case may be, right? Also the date. Aquarius, Gemini, Taurus, all these car names, right? Or what are the other, or like Bee Gees songs. I don't know who the Bee Gees, I'm sorry. The cold's kicking in on my reference. Who sang Age of Aquarius? Adam, anybody? No, you're too young. All right. <clears throat> so we have all these things, and we chuckle about it, right? Horoscopes. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've read a horoscope. Okay, pretty much everybody, right? They're in the paper. It's news, for goodness sakes, right? It's part of the daily news. Did I get four stars today? Oh, one star. I'm staying home. 
I study, came up with a psychology degree. I teach in the sociology department here at D-Dub. And, and we talk about family systems and birth order all the time. But Luke 15, our scripture today, points out something a little bit different than the social sciences and our newspapers and our horoscopes and even my family experience wants us to know about what it means to be a part of God's family. What it means to have a place and a space in God's community. A little bit of family of origin and birth order stuff about me. I was the youngest of four, okay? And as the youngest, I was also the best, right? Because they stop once they reach perfection, amen, okay? But I was younger by quite a ways. So when I was growing up, my sister and brother were off in college. And, and so my earliest memories of them were not all the times they watched me and all the diapers they changed. It was like, are they coming home this weekend? Do I get to see them at all? Or are they going to hang out with their friends, right? And so, well, I was kind of the youngest. I was youngest by so far that I was kind of the oldest. And I was kind of an only child. And so I, as I studied this throughout the years, I see myself in all these different roles. But I definitely relate to what is traditionally seen as the youngest child. But what does it mean that I also see myself as an oldest child? As a middle child? As an only child? As we study more and more uh, kind of detailed information about birth order, what we're discovering is it really doesn't matter. There are so many other variables to how we grow up, like how much money you had going through the house, cash flow, food, what types of foods did you eat, transportation, did you live with extended family? There's so many other variables that birth order really doesn't mean what we thought it did. But here's why this matters for our conversation today. It is really, really hard to get a story out of your head, right? So if you came here today thinking birth order matters, nothing I'm going to say today is going to change that. Why? Because we get these stories in our head, and we integrate them into our lives, and they determine the way we perceive everyone around us. So this story about birth order perceives how my oldest sister and what she's going through and the facts, I don't know if you noticed this lately, but facts and truth, they take a while to get down to feelings. And when I'm busy, when I'm sick, like today, when I'm stressed, when I'm afraid, feelings win the storytelling every time. So over the next three weeks, my invitation to you is... You don't have to forget the stories you've been telling yourself up till today. But try to put a place in your heart, make some space for what the scripture is actually saying. What Jesus' words about the prodigal, what Jesus might want you to hear. We're going to linger in this for a while to give it some time to work in our hearts, to try to build a new narrative, a new story. 
Because I believe that if we get to the bottom of what Jesus is saying in our scriptures today, and over the next couple weeks, it's going to change everything about your day in, day out, walking around life. And it's going to be good news. So let's dig into the scripture. Luke chapter 15. For those of you who know math, it comes right after Luke chapter 14. That was a math joke. All right, here we go. <laughs> go ahead and pull this up in your Bible apps on your phone. If you brought your Bible, great. Luke 15, we're right in the middle of something, okay? So what comes before this? Jesus is telling parables. He's telling stories. He's telling stories about others, right? He's creating a scene and a story about characters while he's talking face-to-face with someone. So, like, we'll just pick on Taryn because it's fun. Taryn, I have a problem with. I come to Taryn and I make up a story about something kind of like, say, someone kind of like her. And I talk about that story. Why? Because we don't just talk about something we really care about with each other. That would be offensive. But I hope that she kind of gets the idea that eventually she'll realize that this story about this girl named Erin maybe has something to do with her right? And we do that. We talk around things that struggle with, that disrupt us, right? We, we talk around it. Well, Jesus was in these crowds all the time, and he was in this scripture talking to a group of church leaders, and they were pretty sure they were right, and they were pretty sure Jesus was wrong, and Jesus was pretty sure if they kept on living like that, they were going to hurt a lot of people. And they were going to miss the good news that he came to give. And so he tells stories about the lost. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about the lost sheep, right? You remember that, that YouTube video about the sheep that they got out of the crack in the ground, and then he was like, nah, and then he jumped right back in the crack? Same chapter in the Bible. There's like six or seven parables in a row about, you thought this, I mean this. You thought this was insignificant, terrible, a waste of time and space? I say this. God says this. It is worth more than you'll ever know. So just think about that as we're we're talking about the prodigal the next few weeks. It's not just on its own. It's a part of a bigger story to help us change our minds and our vision around what matters. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, I love that phrase. When he came to his senses, the young son said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But make me like one of your hired servants, please. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father sees him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. Now again, remember the times, right? If I'm driving home after squandering everything and I'm racing home in my 1991 Chevy Lumina in 1998, right? My dad's not running up to me and gathering my Lumina in his arms, right? So just remember, he's walking home. Just think how long he has to see this unpredictable what's going to happen and what it must look like for that dad to see him from that far away after all those years. The anticipation, the buildup, the absolute gut-wrenching fear of what's going to happen. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him, bring a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. <laughs> here's, where, here's where the story comes home, right? The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out, pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I just have to imagine that was a party, okay? You figure out what your version of that celebration at a, at a lower level calf to goat would be, okay? But just remember the vibe the older son has going on here. When the son of yours who had squandered your property with prostitutes, very pointed word, he's not holding back. He's exactly getting at where the money went comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You celebrate. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad today because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Throughout the history of the church, the younger brother is typically, typically called the prodigal son. And until about seven or eight days ago, I thought prodigal meant the following. Lost. Wayward. Super, super duper special because he's the youngest and he deserves everything he gets that is good in the end and none of the bad stuff, right? I had that story in my head from hearing this growing up in the church. I thought prodigal meant he went out and he messed up, but he's good now. 
As we look at this next slide, what we're talking about in the next three weeks is we're trying to take this kind of weak story and turn it into a stronger story. That son wasn't lost. He wasn't wayward. He wasn't messing up. The scripture in its original wording says he was reckless. He was dangerously, callously reckless with the gifts and love he'd been given. He was excessive. He was lavish. And everything in the middle there, reckless, excessive, lavish, those are the types of words that lead to death. Okay? Those are one-way ticket types of words. Now, why does it matter? What's the difference between, oh, he was just lost and now he's found, versus he was recklessly lavish? Why does it matter? Because the other thing I've learned throughout my life so far in the church and being a pastor is we are all really good at pointing out the prodigals all around us. And we're pretty darn terrible about pointing out the prodigal inside of us. It's way easier to name someone else as reckless, excessive, Lavish, what I would like to argue today is not only was the younger brother exactly those things to the extent that he injured people and hurt people and was sent on a path of destruction, but the other folks in the story are too. I'm going to make the argument, and I think we'll make the argument over the next couple of weeks, that everyone in this parable is reckless in their own way the older brother, the father, you, me. I'm focusing today on the younger brother for just a few more minutes. We'll get to those other rascals in the next couple weeks. I tried to get out of this after I realized what was actually going on in this younger brother's life. It was hitting way too close to home. As we look at this next slide, I want to invite you over the next couple of weeks to, to kind of enter into this scripture, since we're doing it the same way, and we're entering into the same scripture. Let's do it intentionally. So one of the ways we can do that is an ancient practice of the church called Lectio Divina. It's just fancy words for really placing yourself before scripture, not just looking for the right answer, but letting it have the space to change your life. The first question is, what is really there? What's really in the scriptures? And as I looked at the scriptures with the eyes of the younger brother this week, you know what's really there? The dude just wanted to go out and explore the world. There was nothing he thought about taking half of his entire future inheritance and going and spending it any way he felt he wanted to. I don't think at any point he felt reckless in that. I thought he was just living the good life, right? Taking every late night commercial and saying, yes, I want that, I need that, I'll take that. I want to get to that final destination of feeling good all the time. The younger brother also in no way, shape, or form 
thought he was going to get welcomed home. I didn't remember that part. Do you remember what he said to himself as he was preparing himself on that long walk home? He didn't say, I can't wait to see Daddy-O and my brother so we can party. What did he say? He said, I need to eat. This is the lowest I've ever been. How's it going to feel when my own family tells me to my face everything I'm starting to suspect on my own about who I am and what I'm worth? Can you picture a lonelier place than that? Have you been there? What does the scripture say within me? I go right to a place. I go to the, right in front of my grandma Evie's chair. I was in college. I was home for the weekend. I learned a valuable lesson about what was really going on in here. I didn't make it home the night before. I didn't make it to church. I had told a lot of stories about where I was and how I was and what was going on. And I just went to my grandma's house after, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, alarm didn't go off. And she just looked at me, saw right through all the stories. What I saw in her face was what had happened when you love someone so much and realize that they're a gift from God and also realize you can't do a single thing right now other than just be there. So as I reflected on the scripture this week, what it stirred within me is I still tell stories that aren't quite true so I can avoid that look. In the mirror, and those that I care about, am I alone in that? So that was super fun, right? Everybody wants to have that stirred within you as you're getting ready to preach a sermon and you got a cold coming on. So, <clears throat> but it's okay. Nothing that stirred within me was new to God, right? Nothing the younger brother in our scripture was experiencing was new to God. God knew. And God was there. That's the other thing that stirred with me. When that story that I've built around my life and my perfect youngest achieving child persona that still finds its way into my life and my conversations today, when I felt that being challenged, I came to this next part and it said, rest. Do nothing and pray over this. And I was, that's where I lost it. Because just like that younger brother, I had to realize that I have no control over how people react to me coming home. I never did have control of this narrative, this story. I'm at the grace of everyone else around me. So take a good rest in that. Spend some time with that, Steve, was what I heard this week.
So that's when I got to respond, and that's, that's where I started seeing things a little bit differently this week. And that's where I want to end today. I believe I heard God call me to, to say today, if you found yourself out there like Adam and Eve, and you went and you reached for that apple on the tree of goodness and knowledge and life and the promises that someone else sold you, and you ate that apple and it was delicious until it wasn't, you're not alone. If you are still just a little bit of a long way off, coming home from a place that you don't want to talk about, you're not alone. Whether you're the youngest in your family or not, the story of the younger brother is you're not alone. In a little bit, we're going to share in communion. An invitation that seems a little weird, just be glad. Well, some of you are going to have fattened calf and lamb later, probably for football seasons, kickoff, but, but we have bread and we have juice. Why? Because Jesus invited those around him to share as often as they gathered in remembrance of him. And when you come forward, if you feel so led for communion later today, you're going to come up with reckless people. You're going to come up with people who have stories that they're just starting to realize are not strong stories. And it's scary as I'll get out. You're going to come up here with people who you wouldn't share a meal with if somebody paid for it and the tip, right? But we do this. We come to this table to remind ourselves that we're all the younger brother, we're all the older brother, we're all the dad, we're all reckless. But hear the good news. God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, whether we like it or not. So as we continue going in the next couple of weeks, I pray, kind of this last slide, that we find ourselves in God's story, in this story. It can be extremely easy to, to let someone else's recklessness determine our thoughts, words, and actions. I pray that this will be a space for you to make the time, to take the time, you deserve the time to let God in through the scripture. Would you pray with me this morning? Gracious God, as we prepare for communion now and our communion servers come forward as our worship team prepares to lead us some more in the words of scripture through song. As our, as our children are learning alongside us and our volunteers are helping them in that process, we just pray for one simple thing today. That if you need us to hear something through the eyes and the heart of the young brother in this parable today, that you would make it clear. If your Holy Spirit stirs something in our hearts that takes us back, that takes us to a place we don't want to go or encourages us to step forward or go home to a place we're not sure what's going to happen, remind us we're not alone. Meet us exactly where we are in this meal, 
on this day. And Lord, we pray for the courage to go with you so that you won't leave us exactly there. Because we are worthy of your love. As promised in Jesus' name. Amen.